system. I find you in the shows and moving a great and being enough. The scientist comes everywhere you go. Robot. That's a good one. My son's obsessed with robots. What kind of robots? We've been trying to watch. Let's see. What did he, what did he do? Uh, Big Hero Six. That's a good. Mm. That's a good robot. We should try to reintroduce him to Wally. That's a, a more scary real life robot. Yeah. The yeah. But Iron Iron Giant will be the next one. I think that we're going to introduce him to, uh, which is on Disney Plus. I didn't know that. We're we are we are firmly not in that phase as a family, um, for whatever reason. Not to get into this because it doesn't matter. But um, the format, the movie format, for whatever reason, is the block, the 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 psychological block. Somehow, for my kids, the format of a movie, an hour and a half to two hour movie, is what's scary. Um, they've associated that with being scary. And so they just refuse to watch a movie. It's the most interesting thing. I cannot decode it. Uh, but at some point there was an association with movie format being scary. And, and so we are watching shows nonstop. It's just, you know, like half an hour shows. That's what, that's our jam. You set a timer <laughs> for 34 minutes and just watch them. Yeah. I tried the whole, like, Hey, it's like four shows. That's how long it takes me to watch it takes me four days to finish a movie, at least. Yeah. So, yeah, there you yeah. go. Welcome back to the Design System Office Hours, where we talk about film, cinema, sometimes sometimes design systems, sometimes design systems. Yeah, and children and yeah. their consumption of cinema, <laughs> and yeah, at the end. How are you, PJ? I am peachy keen, and yourself? Very good, very good. Yeah, looking forward to talking a little bit about education and onboarding since uh, we've recently most talked about uh, design system support, talked about feedback, talked about contribution models, uh, but education is, is a, is a good one. And we've talked uh, a, a little bit about this in, in little spurts, uh, how we educate people about systems thinking about our individual design systems and how we spread the wealth in terms of knowledge building and knowledge sharing across our product design teams. And I, I was very excited when we had first started recording the podcast, talking to you, PJ, about you all have a onboarding program for Gestalt. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what that entails. We do. So our team has taken on the responsibility of Gestalt onboarding, which makes sense. We're the Gestalt team. We have two extremely talented team members, Cynthia and Aisha, who are, who are taking on that work, really set up the program, set up the format. And whenever a new hire comes on, they are getting them up to speed on, on Gestalt resources, on best practices, how to use it within Figma, how to access all of our office hours and, and Slack resources, and just giving them the broad context for for how to engage with the Gestalt team and hopefully this actually no doubt setting a really 
good positive first impression that the Gestalt team is here to support them and uh, that we're here to make their job better and easier and more magical. We're trying to figure out how that can expand because we kind of mentioned this a few episodes ago, but we're always onboarding. We're onboarding to new, you know, I could be working at Pinterest for three years and I'm onboarding to new processes. I'm onboarding to new documentation. There's always something to onboard to. And so in my head, I'm trying to figure out how does onboarding relate to continuing education and how can we meld those as much as possible just to create more effective and efficient education programs in the long term. And then lastly, and I swear I'll stop talking after this, how can that also work in conjunction with a design ops team to where this is kind of their jam, this is a wheelhouse, how can they how can they take some of this and run with it and and do an even better job than we can. Yeah, having been on a team that was primarily design ops at at Disney, um, at least to start, that was sort of the genesis of formalizing our design system team. It's very exciting to talk about design ops and the operational side of leveling up designers and design education. At Disney, we did something very similar in the tune of I was the uh, the poor soul that was educating designers uh, on a very ad hoc basis. So I had a deck that I would run folks through and I would wait until there's uh, some good cohort of design. So three to four people uh, was usually the the good number, but I would uh, I was more than happy to meet with uh, folks one on one and I would run them through at that time. My favorite application in the whole wide world, abstract version control. <laughs> you'll never, you'll never let that down. Uh, this has been a long running Jeez, How many years has it been? Seven years? No, six, five or six years of constant, like little, little dagger in my side about abstract. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure PJ has some, he's probably wearing an abstract uh, t-shirt right now. <laughs> Stop. Some abstract socks. <laughs> Uh, but we would educate them about version control, uh, the libraries themselves, how to access the libraries, things like uh, foul uh, hygiene a, a little bit, nomenclature of how we like to name things. And we would go uh, wide and then we'd go deep. The issue with this was that, uh, as PJ said, I was the the lone poor soul that that did this. So if I were not there to do this, there was no mechanism to continue this this process. So I never did end up recording any, any of these, uh, as, as I left that, that knowledge just, uh, sort of went with me for better or for worse. But at Meta, uh, they have, I think very similar uh, to Google as well. They have a design bootcamp when you, when you start and design systems is one, uh, course uh, that that's in that. And, uh, preferably I, I in a previous episode, I had mentioned, the, I think the design systems training probably should likely occur on day 31 uh, of your job, not day two, uh, because you're not really sure what you're looking at. You could hear about Gestalt and you could hear about these components, but without knowledge of what you're working on, what you may be working on in the future, what uh, was previous versus what is now, 
it's a little bit uh, too much of a fire hose of information. So uh, I think those trainings are really good to have uh, on day 31 or, or after, but I think the next sort of evolution of this, which I had just done before uh, going on pat leave was trying to record these trainings and have them available for people to watch on demand. So I did that. Uh, it was a 45 minute training that, that I did, uh, walking them through very much uh, the same stuff that I, that, that I mentioned for, for Disney, but, uh, minus my favorite app abstract and using my second favorite app, Figma, abstract Figma. That's the, that's the order of apps and talking them through how to access our, uh, design design tokens uh, we call them primitives but design tokens in the and the design language layer uh, where to access our design system within figma uh, how to utilize our internal plugins that we have uh, but then also uh, where to go like you said where to go to support and really trying to hammer that uh, on its head that these are these are the support channels that you you could get help on at any any time don't uh, feel that you need to come back to me specifically because I may be here, I may not be here, I may switch teams. That's another thing that is very common at Meta, that there's a, a decent amount of reorgs going on, people going back and forth. And you don't really want to tie specific uh, big sort of uh, warehouses of knowledge tied to one one person. So you want to be able to democratize that and be able to spread that around to everybody. And I think institutionalize it. Um, have it in a place that isn't in a brain, um, but is, is, is actual and, you know, in a database somewhere or somewhere that anyone can access at any time that isn't just DMing someone or emailing someone, um, questions. I think that's, uh, really critical. Not that that expertise shouldn't exist. I just think it should also be documented, uh, somewhere outside of a person's brain. Yeah. You mentioned something about ongoing, education, which, which I love. And I'm very excited about learning about new, new processes and how other teams work uh, within, within our company, but not everybody is as open to taking uh, either courses or workshops when they feel that they've been there and, you know, been around the block a few times. So how, how have you sold uh, trainings for people that have, that have been with the company for, you know, over a year or two? Oh, Davey, I haven't. <laughs> Turns out just because I think something's a good idea doesn't necessarily mean that everyone thinks it's a good idea. I do. Continuing education is not an uncommon thing in the world. My wife's a nurse. She has by far and away a more important job than I do. And she is expected to take um, continuing education because knowledge changes processes changes, the science changes. And so what you know yesterday may not be relevant. It may actually be dangerous. And so our experience is a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it injects huge amounts of bias into our, our work and is no longer relevant. So I think all of us, our team included, should have some level of continuing education to make sure that we're aware of, of, of best practices of the evolving evidence, both externally and internally as to how to build products to meet people's needs. We are lucky to have a rare talent in, in Cinture Romero, who is 
amazing at outreach, community management, engagement, and education with with not only the design team but the but design and engineering. I would make the case that education is is one of the most critical skills to have within a design org uh, to make sure that you're up leveling everyone within the design org, and one of the rarest skills. We oftentimes um, evaluate talent based off of your ability to make pretty pictures and 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 design beautiful things in Figma. Uh, what we tend to often undervalue is the ability to have a designer educate and up-level m- many designers and, and help them get on the same page and, and, and help them work better. It's hard to measure. It's hard to ma- turn into an objective uh, number. And so it, it oftentimes goes uh, undervalued, underseen. And I see it every day. She does an amazing job. She has had a huge impact within our team within our design org and I'd argue within our company because of the movement we've seen in terms of adoption. And that is in large part due to her work. So we're lucky because we have the talent to do that. And I think that goes a long way, but you have to find those special people that have those skills to, to bring to the table. It's a very design ops driven line of thinking too. It's a layered on top of systems thinking, but how do you uh, systematically up level how, Team A may be doing things as well as team team B, team C, all the way down to team Z like we have. <laughs> and being able to listen to, um, we talked about support uh, in a previous episode, being able to parse the support channels and see uh, and try to either use, uh, like you said, use pattern recognition uh, or use a uh, personal <laughs> pattern recognition, uh, just scrolling through support and then seeing uh, if, is, if, is there anything that seems to be a major pain point uh, in the onboarding process? So uh, there may not be enough documentation in the tool or they may not be, they may not be able to find the documentation when they, when they first start. So how do we start feeding them uh, smaller nuggets of information to get them, get them started? And one thing that we had tried at, at Disney was, similar to Figma's uh, playground, like when they do different feature releases, they have a playground file, cultivating a Disney plus playground file that has templates and components and running that uh, in a, in a workshop setting for a one and a half hour sort of thing and seeing, seeing if people could break it and seeing where the, where the gaps are. And then over, over time, that's uh, really helped, helped us in the past really tune, uh, what our message is that, that we need to get out uh, to those product designers during the first first month or day 31, like I would like to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Within, within the family, uh, and by that I mean the design systems community, we understand how critical education is and outreach um, is to the, to the work that we do because we can, we can create the, the best system in the world, but if designers and engineers don't understand how to use it, understand the value of using it, it's going to fall flat. Some of those things can be augmented, helped with how you design the system. And if you're, if you're indexing on comprehension and, and ease of use versus flexibility, not that they're always diametrically opposed, but I'd argue they oftentimes can be, but, but I think the, the, the main effort is just in 
day-to-day heavy lifting of outreach and education and thinking of onboarding is just a continual thing. We're going to onboard you to this new stuff. Um, it's not just that it doesn't matter if you're new, that's, it's no judgment, right? But if new things come out, you got to know about them. You got to understand how to use them. If we change the way the systems work, you have to be onboarded into that thing. So it's just a continual education, continual onboarding for everyone, uh, that uses the system. Yeah. The way that meta does some of the trainings as well as, uh, due to the fact that there is a, like a boot camp style, there's a, there's a tool that we use, uh, cornerstone, not sure who else uses cornerstone. It doesn't look like we made it cause it's a pretty darn ugly enterprise app that looks super generic. Um, but it's a, a tool to be able to administer trainings and be able to log uh, which people have taken the trainings and which people uh, have not taken that. And we have not uh, required people to take certain trainings. It is, uh, I don't think that there's any sort of ding if you don't take the trainings, but maybe that's something that we should look into too. Like uh, within the first 31 days, you should take, take this training and please go to the, the group and ask a question and that would signify you completing, completing the training. So it would allow you not only to watch the training asynchronously, uh, but it would also point you to the, the group to be able to ask questions and see uh, the myriad of backlog that, that we have um, and be able to see what we do uh, on a day-to-day basis in terms of education and support. That's, that's an interesting one. Mandatory training. What's your take on mandatory training for that, uh, for, for this kind of subject? I mean, I, I'm really bullish on it, uh, because I, I do think that there's certain, uh, there's a certain baseline of knowledge that you should know. You should be able to know how to access the libraries. You should be able to know, uh, where to go to support. Uh, you should be able to know the certain keywords you could search that, uh, on your wiki or your documentation to trigger, uh, Gestalt or Geodesic or Facebook design system. Uh, in addition to, I do think that if we have expectations that we build components a certain way, then we need to make sure that we educate folks on that and we don't assume um, that it's it's easy to understand. So it's, it's also being able to hold design system maintainers accountable for providing the trainings and documenting things in a, in a certain manner. So I, I think it's a good, uh, two-sided thing. I think that's fair. I am constantly thinking about how to spend the capital, you know, one's capital and is mandatory training worth the spend? Yeah. I don't know about you. I've taken a I've taken one or two mandatory trainings in my life. Hasn't necessarily been on the top five list of of moments in my life. <laughs> so I am cautious about putting myself in that same mindset of like, oh, I gotta do the mandatory training. It's the day it's due, right? It always you always take it the day it's due. Uh, that is the, the you know, there's the law of gravity and the law of taking mandatory training the day it's due. And so if we do have mandatory training, A, are we absolutely certain that it leads to better outcomes? And then B, are we ready to spend the capital associated with being that team 
that's forcing you to take a training among all the other things that you have. Um, it's a tough one. I, I, I don't know where I sit on it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would expect if you're an engineering manager and you use React and you have a certain way of using React at Pinterest, I mean, I'm just making stuff up here, uh, the, you just had a certain uh, sub framework or something that uh, you'd probably need a training for that because it's very specific and nuanced to your specific role. And I don't, I don't believe that the cost is very high, especially if these trainings are in the front loaded in the beginning of your, your tenure, but maybe in a, from an ongoing uh, education basis. Yeah. I, I usually take the trainings after someone pings me about it. So it's already <laughs> five days late. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think also if you can keep it to five or 10 minutes, it's probably not the biggest thing in, in the world. I'm, guilty of seeing the training of this should only take you two hours to complete. And I want to do, I, I, I'm not in a happy state when I see that. And so I think if you can keep it short, sweet to the point, it's probably going to help matters. Um, but it's something that we struggle with of how do we ensure that the people who need to know how to use the system do know it um, without creating some sort of antagonistic relationship between ourselves and our customers. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a tough one, man. Yeah. Another thing to sort of point back to things that, uh, to mitigate trainings is, uh, we've created a FAQ section. So we've created, uh, mostly for the, the component library side, because we've gotten a lot of, uh, repeatable questions that, we thought we would just be able to document it in an FAQ. And our team has done a very good job at pointing people to our documentation site. Uh, so the FAQ should, in theory, be re- really good as long as we continually uh, keep that keep that updated. And usually it's questions uh, such as, like, you know, I have, a, I have a component that I wanted to create. I wanted to add it to the system. How do I do that? Long story, but we could we could work with you on that. Um, how do I access XYZ component? This uh, component is not available. What do I do? Uh, a lot of a lot of those common common questions. Do you point people to the FAQ and they ask in Slack or whatever whatever uh, tool? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's not like uh, let me Google this for you. It's a legitimate. Like we've answered this <laughs> before. Thank you. And we're not being mean about it, but we, we tell them, Oh, we have a, we, we have a, this we've had, we've been asked this question uh, multiple times. Uh, we, we have, we have an FAQ article about this. Uh, let me know if you have any other questions after you finish. Yeah. I think that's goes into the delivery of that um, because it can come off pretty passive aggressive and, and crappy. Uh, so you have to be really careful about how you, um, how you phrase those, those things for sure. Yeah. Like how do I get a refund? Well, that's a common FAQ question in, in the world. Uh, what's your return policy? Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there's no return policy. I was going to say there's good, good luck. That's what the FAQ says. Good luck. As is. 
uh, give us a ring at five, 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 and then insert whatever numbers after that. And give us a, a ring at, uh, nine, one, one. Yeah, pretty much. We got your money. Thanks. Um, boy, that w- took a weird turn. Um, we sounds like we both had some experiences trying to return stuff. Um, <laughs> ideally, uh, ideally, what kind of what kind of cadence would you have regarding education? Would this be a one and done sort of thing? Uh, if not, would you have some sort of follow up plan for you know after someone started x you know x days after education? There's sort some sort of check in. What what would that look like uh, in your ideal world? The trainings would be run at least once a month. I believe we do them every other week right now, which is quite a lot. But we we do have a, a quite a number of people that join the the teams here. But if it was monthly, the training would be would be good, uh, and that would be a live training that we would do. So then you'd be able to engage with a, a real human if you believe we're real humans. And I would think there would be a good, like a, it's, it's like what would you would say? Like a design system 201, right? Like a continuous, what would be like the next bit of training? Like, oh, maybe it's uh, utilizing uh, variants and auto layout. Uh, so then we would run those trainings uh, also probably like every other month. And there, there, there are a certain amount of things that we don't, chase um we try not to chase updates uh from figma but there are certain ones that do make sense to adopt so as we evolve based on software we do try to uh, be up to date and show our uh, designers uh, what what are the uh, improvements yeah, uh, yeah. that we've done in terms yeah, of absolutely that's that is top of mind for me in 2023 asynchronous like um begin to crack that stuff note. i i would think the we touched a little bit about this on automation. It would be great to try to capture some of these, these questions in our support channels or, or in our chat uh, to be able to then uh, improve our, our trainings uh, on a continuous basis as well. Totally. It's an, it's a interesting topic because it's not necessarily the most common practice within traditional product design orgs and but super critical to our day-to-day work. Yeah. And the, the, this goes back to even like the, the sentiment surveys and like the, the sus survey as well. So if, if we see that something changes uh, in a positive direction over time, great. But then like next half, if I notice that there's uh, maybe uh, a piece of education is going downwards, then we're really going to try to tune that one uh, up a little bit. Now you mentioned like uh, the, the, Assumption. Oh, I'm going to say my assumption of the holy grail designers time. Designers are too busy to do trainings or watch videos. And when we were migrating to Figma, um, we pointed people to specific tutorial videos that we'd curate because there's amazing tutorial videos on YouTube uh, of many different things in, in Figma or my favorite app. Abstract. You have an abstract shirt on right now. He's, he's not lying. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. And designers sometimes didn't watch them. And we would really try to figure out how can we better get across uh, some of these trainings and in a fashion where we don't have to record them 
ourselves, because if there is a training that already exists out in the wild that is viewed by tens of thousands of designers, we should point to that. So we do have a short list of different tutorials and different um, sort of uh, articles, maybe design systems podcasts that folks should listen to. <laughs> Uh, I hope you're not talking about ours. <laughs> There's no value here. Sorry if that's what you're looking for. I point some people. I point some people like how, how to get how to get rich quick. Design systems podcast. <laughs> Design systems office hours. That's episode twenty one. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I then I'll tune in because it sure hell. As hell hasn't worked for me. Uh, yeah, it, we're, we've been talking the same thing about how to how to create a a collection of resources that we don't necessarily have to make if they've already been made, but to collate them in app place um, to hopefully improve uh, engagement with this kind of educational material, um, and then try to. This may slow you by looking at these training videos. This may slow you down for the next hour because you aren't able to get work done literally right now. But if this education helps you even work minutely more effectively over the course of even a couple of days, you're going to return. You're going to, you're going to get that time back, but it's just a matter of finding a way to advocate for us. Invest the time now to save time in the future. It's very easy for us to say when everyone is up to their eyeballs and things that need to get done right now. But if, if we can all find a way to work a little bit smarter as opposed to a little bit harder, that almost always pays off in significant dividends in less time than you would imagine. It might help also if there's any sort of tool related training videos or development uh, design engineering training videos to watch them all together as well. So being, being able to just jump on, jump on a zoom and fire up the, the videos together. Uh, Figma has their own office hours. I wonder where they got that name from, <laughs> but it was totally us. We invented the term office hours. It did not exist before this podcast. Um, we've copyrighted it. Our lawyers will be reaching out to all parties using the term office hours yeah, we get a cut from every professor from every college and university and community college. Mm -hmm. Retroactively for the past 30 years. Um, yeah, that's ours. But I think doing them, doing them as a group and then possibly having like a, um, a separate sort of breakout uh, to share out learnings, I think that's a great mechanism. And it's, it's a great piece of continual learning as well. Like this one piece about specific features. And, uh, I remember giving myself a refresher on auto layout. Okay. I watched some videos. It took me maybe two to three hours, but then I got up to speed in a day. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. Uh, but I did carve out enough time for myself to, to sort of refamiliarize myself with that and then see how, uh, our specific components utilize, uh, that feature. So I think it's a good, thing to do i think it's a, a fun way to learn and and if you're watching a training video on youtube you can watch it at 2x as well so that helps that is a good point 
one other thing that I would I would say, if we as design orgs or just engineering orgs, whatever orgs, if we want to, if we want people to access that training, I would argue it would be helpful to incentivize them to do that. Have that be a part of you get a bonus or you get some sort of time off or some sort of carrot for for going through that program. Um, but if, if we're not incentivizing that kind of behavior, um, continuing education, chances are people are not going to be as privy to do it. We're an incentive-driven society <laughs> and 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 i think people follow the the trail that leads to promotion better you know better compensation um and so that would be one suggestion i would make is is incentivize the behavior of continuing education at at the at the org level if we really want people to engage with that kind of material and I know you're not um, a big advocate of lunch and learns, but I think treating people to lunches, I think, would be a fair trade for this. If it's a good, if it's a really good lunch, if it's a damn good lunch, maybe. Um, if you're if you're giving them a stale peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, maybe maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Somewhere at the end of the day. Whomever is above us is still paying for you to do your job. So we have expectations to, you know, be a good partner, take the training, make it easier on, on both of us. Uh, and if you really don't have time to do the training, let's try to figure out how we could get you the information in a, in a, in a different manner. But um, coming back to us and saying that our documentation is confusing when you, when you haven't, done the trainings is not really uh, a great look for anybody. And I, to that point, you, you brought up a good point. If people don't have the time to access this training, we as an organization need to build in the time to do it. I do think it's unfair if you are, you are crushed with work, you don't have enough time in an eight hour day as it is, and then you're expected to take training. That does not seem appropriate that does not seem fair so if we take this seriously if this is something we want people do to do then we need to we need to realistically give them the time to access it otherwise we're creating we're setting up people to fail which is never a a good thing yeah and it's going to lead to more design engineering debt and lead to meeting churn it's a all the buzzwords robot all of them Every single one. (laughs) Well, thanks, PJ. We're at over 30 minutes. We love talking. Can I say one thing? I want to do one plug. All right. So this is, this is landing late because we, because these podcasts go out a little late, but our team hit a major milestone, uh, this week by shipping out mobile documentation. Uh, and we are, we are, we've crossed the threshold into a multi-platform design system. Um, it's taken, a long time to get there, um, but it has been one hell of a team effort. Uh, the entire team has done an amazing job to make this happen. 
So I just wanted to give a kudos to the team. I have no idea whether they listen to this podcast or not. doesn't matter. I still want to give them kudos. It's been, um, it's been a fun ride doing, doing the things with, with these great folks. And, and it's awesome that we were able to hit this milestone. That's great. Great news. I saw that on LinkedIn. So very excited to see the documentation and be able to poke holes at it at some point. Who doesn't? That's the funny thing is you, you celebrate that. And then three seconds later, I don't, this doesn't work. We need to fix it. And then you're like right back into the, into the trenches trying to fix all the, all the things you got to fix. Well, it's a good, it's a good problem. Uh, that means people yeah. are paying attention. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, PJ. Thank you for the Pinterest team for creating good mobile documentation. Congrats and see y'all later. See you. <laughs>